Welcome to the Special Needs Travel Podcast, a Lily and Magnolia Travel Production. I'm your host, Dina Farmer. I'm a mom of two wonderful little boys, one of which is on the autism spectrum. I'm a travel advisor, an IBCCS certified autism travel professional, and an accessible travel advocate. I believe travel is for everyone, and that's why on this podcast, we address ways to make travel accessible and successful for everyone. For more information about what I do and who I serve, head on over to www.liliannagmiliatravel.com. Hey buddy, what's the next place that you want to visit when this pandemic is over? Mm, Hawaii. Ooh, love Hawaii. Why do you like Hawaii so much? Because it's always hot and nice. You're right. It's always, it's always wonderful. Good morning and welcome to episode 6 of the Special Needs Travel Podcast. In this episode, I've had the pleasure of speaking with Elle Cole, a traveling and fearless travel mom and medical advocate. I invited Elle to be on my podcast today to talk about a very unique travel situation. Okay, um, two actually. Elle's daughter has sickle cell anemia and type 1 diabetes. And I know this is a news flash, but I, I kind of try to sneak it in in the podcast episode. But you would be surprised to learn that sickle cell anemia affects more people than you learned about in health class. Type 1 diabetes currently has no cure, and medical professionals still do not understand why it occurs. In this episode, we dive into traveling with sickle cell anemia and type 1 diabetes and things you really need to consider before traveling. I know this episode has been released at the end of the month, but I wanted to emphasize that September is also Sickle Cell Anemia Awareness Month. Sickle cell disease is a genetic condition that affects the body's red blood cells. It occurs when a child receives two sickle cell genes, one from each parent. In someone living with this disease, in someone living with this disease, the red blood cells become hard and sticky and look like a C-shaped farm tool called a sickle. In this episode, we chat about how it affects travel and what you can do to better support your clients or you as a traveler, how to disclose this information to your travel agent so that they can better understand how to help you plan an unforgettable trip. How to help you plan an unforgettable trip. Join Be The Match Donor Registry. Unfortunately, black people only represent 4% of the registry. By joining, people would sign up to send in a cheek swab to join the registry so that they can be matched in the future. Right now, bone marrow and stem cell transplants are the main ways that people with sickle cell and cancer are being cured. September is both Sickle Cell Awareness and Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. To find Be The Match donor information, text SC3CARLY to the number 61474 or visit join.bethematch.org slash SC3CARLY for more information. And of course, I will have all that information in the show notes. Elle Cole is a mom of twin daughters, one of whom is living with sickle cell anemia. She serves as a health advocate for sickle cell disease and type 1 diabetes. She's an ambassador for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and raises awareness about sickle cell disorders to help make the quality of life for people with in autoimmune diseases better. Before I start this amazing interview with Elle, please take a few moments to hear a few words from my sponsor. All right, and okay, we are recording. So 
I am your host, Dina Farmer, and you are listening to the Special Needs Travel Podcast, a Lily and Magnolia Travel Production. Today, I have Al Cole on my show, and I'm so excited because she's going to be sharing about a very um, important topic. So without further ado, I'm going to let Elle take it away. Thank you so much for having me. I am just elated to be able to talk to your listeners about Sickle Cell Awareness Month. September is Sickle Cell Awareness Month, and I am a parent that travels with my child who has sickle cell anemia. And just to give people kind of an understanding of you know, who I am and what I do. I'm a parent advocate and I advocate for sickle cell anemia, which is a genetic blood disorder. I am also a blogger. I blog at cleverlychanging.com and I'm a writer. I wrote a book about sickle cell for children who are growing up with sickle cell disease. And there are different types of sickle cell disease. So that's why we don't only call it sickle cell anemia because there right. are other types that are not considered sickle cell anemia. Oh, uh, would you, uh, because to be perfectly transparent, I, I didn't know about this. And um, as a black woman as well, like we, you know, we learn about sickle cell a little bit in like health <laughs> class in school, but they don't really go into like, I didn't even know there was different types of sickle cell anemia. So I'd love if you would spend just a few minutes um, explaining what the different types are and the one that your daughter has. Okay. So there are a few main types and I'm going to start with um, SS. So SS is the most common type. So let me just give kind of a framework. In the United States, there are about 100,000 people who have sickle cell disease. And it predominantly affects African-Americans, but not exclusively affects African-Americans. So there are people of all different ethnicities and nationalities that can have sickle cell. It's just that in the Black community, we know that it really affects our community. And partly because the country with the most people who have sickle cell is Nigeria. The second, um, the second largest country that has the largest sickle cell population is actually India, which is in Asia. And so doctors and researchers have found that sickle cell started because of a mutation that could have protected people from, um, from malaria. And so Unfortunately, when a person has sickle cell trait and they procreate with someone else who has sickle cell trait, they have one in four chance of giving birth to a child who has the full-blown disease. Their child could mm-hmm. also have not inherited any of the traits. Um, right. So they could, um, it's about their genotypes. So they could have AA or AS. Mm-hmm. AS is where you have the uh, sickle cell trait. And so if the two people both have sickle cell trait and their offspring inherits the S trait, the S gene, then if they inherited both S genes from both parents, that's what will cause them to have SS, which is 
the most severe type, but all the other types can have complications too. So you may hear about people having SC. It's just different type of hemoglobin blood disorders other than the most common ones that we hear about. So there's also something called beta thalassemia, which isn't exactly sickle cell, but it's also a hemoglobin blood disorder. And so that also falls into the category. So there are a lot of people in India who have um, sickle beta thalassemia. So that's just something that we are learning about the different types of hemoglobin. And I must say that when I, when my husband and I first found out that we had the trait when I was expecting a child, I didn't know anything about any of the other um, hemoglobin disorders. I just, you know, I had heard about somebody who had sickle cell and I was, I was afraid, but in time I've learned to kind of research and learn. And that really helps to reduce my fears, which kind of leads to this conversation. That's why I advocate and talk to other people about it because we can't live in fear. We have to educate ourselves. And with education, you know, if two people get tested for the trait, then you can go into a relationship knowing that that's one of the possibilities that could happen. Oh my, and that's so great that you're talking about that because I also, <laughs> I didn't know that you could be tested for this either. So, um, oh, that's really, but like you're saying, um, it, it affects all, <laughs> it affects all races. It's just predominantly in the, the black community. So, um, if you were a black person that was getting married to somebody, um, actually that doesn't make any sense. So anyway, I'm just going to let that question go. <laughs> like somebody who's uh, not, who's not black. Right. Like, and you know, biracial, is it still mm-hmm. a risk if right. the other person is a non-black person? Isn't no question is, you know, dumb or anything. Oh, like that. Okay. Like that is a real question. And you are not the only person who, you know, is wondering about that, but mm-hmm. other people of other ethnicities. So here's the thing. Malaria affects mm-hmm all different parts of the world. It's like wherever it's warm. So if that other person had family from other places that were warm and they also have the sickle cell trait, yes. Mm. I actually, in 2014, I did a blog post where um, a lady who was biracial, she had a biracial child. She was actually, um, she was a white lady and she, her child had the full-blown disease. There's oh also gosh. people who are not Black at all. Right. Um, when I've gone out to speak as a caregiver, I was always amazed that a large portion of my audience wasn't a person of color. And that really shocked me because right. I didn't know that so many other ethnicities could have it. So it does affect places like Turkey and just any place that, you know, um, was warm and mm-hmm. um, is warm there. Um, it's like a, you know, a mutation that was supposed to protect people. But right. when, you know, when the two people procreated, I don't think it was something that anybody even foresaw that mm-hmm. it would happen. It turns out that in the early 1900s, there was a Caribbean um, dental student who came over from Grenada and he was having complications while he was in dental school. And the main doctor did not really want to treat him because he was an African-American male. Well, 
he got the intern to look at his blood and the intern took a fascination like, oh my gosh, his blood isn't round like a donut. It is shaped like a C or like a banana. And that's why it really gets the name sickle cell disease because the red blood cells are not shaped like a donut circular. They're instead shaped like a like the tool, a sickle. And right. um, that was really a fascinating um, fine. But what I, I found to be kind of troubling about the story in general mm-hmm. is he lived to be, I think about 38 or, oh or his early forties. And that, um, lifespan is kind of the same now. So it's really, been, it hasn't necessarily been a uh, full hundred years yet. Right. But, um, or has it, let me, um, I think it was in 1910 that he was diagnosed. So it has been a hundred years and we haven't necessarily progressed a whole lot. And yes, you would say that the lifespan of someone with sickle cell is like up to their late thirties typically. So it's actually 42 Oh, uh, so that's it, like next year for, and not next, but it's like a couple of years for me. I can hardly like. <laughs> but I will that. say, so look, I, I don't want to scare anybody because the right. truth is that research is being done. There's so much research. There are so mm. many treatments that have really helped people live longer lives. Right. So there are people who have lived into their 70s, 80s, and 90s, which is very rare, but right. it has happened. It's wow. also people, you know, I'm I'm on Facebook with a lot of different people who have sickle cell. And, you know, just yesterday, someone was celebrating their 50th birthday. So uh. it's not the rule. It's just something that you know, it it could be the case. Or like the average, I guess. Right. It is the average. Okay. And I mean, there are people who don't live to see 20 or 30 or 40. Right. You know? So yeah. it is something that we still have to stay vigilant about. We still have to advocate for more research dollars mm-hmm. because what people may not know offhand is that sickle cell this genetic disorder, sickle cell disease, is the most common genetic disorder in the world which means all the genetic disorders mm-hmm. that you've heard of that have received massive amounts of funding, this disease has way more patients than those. Oh. And I find that that's troubling. And so that is one of right. the reasons why I continue to advocate. Which I truly appreciate um, you doing this because, like, again, I'm being educated on a special or, well, yeah, a unique travel a traveler that I wouldn't even, you know, think about how I could better support them as a travel agent um, when, I, when I'm focused on my child with autism. Um, so this is really, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that you, you said yes to coming on this uh, podcast for me because you're like giving so much wealth about um, a unique uh, traveler like this. So I, so, so thankful that we're doing this. Um, and then to segue into talking about your daughter who has um, sickle cell anemia, I wanted to ask you how it is traveling with her um, and how you um, can manage traveling with your daughter when considering uh, like her disease that she has. Okay. So 
Well, we we love traveling as a family. I've homeschooled her since birth because our doctor actually recommended it when she was very young. And I was like, well, if we're going to be home, let's travel. At first, I was actually pretty apprehensive because the red blood cells affect your oxygen levels. And when you're in a plane, that really kind of thins out the oxygen. And for a normal person without a disease, that's totally fine without sickle cell disease. But because, you know, she already has a blood condition that affects her oxygen levels and her her body, um, you have to really make sure that your body is at optimal health. And so at first I was scared when she was younger. But so her very first trip that we took we um, we did a cruise because I felt like it was a little bit more grounded um, versus flying in an airplane. Right, and she did totally fine. She was probably three years old when we took our first trip, and we went to the Bahamas. And I I felt like it was kind of ambitious to leave the country on the first <laughs> the first trip. But I mean, well, we had gone. Uh, mm-hmm. places um, domestically, like driving to different states and things like right. that. And I was never afraid um, just doing a road trip or anything like that. But, you know, getting on the water, going in a plane, those were things that kind of heightened my my fears just because I didn't feel like a doctor was as accessible or right. maybe things that we needed, you know. So, when we took our first cruise, I kind of packed um, just extra. She wasn't on medication. She was young. And mm-hmm. I will say that my daughter hasn't had a whole lot of crisis. She didn't have her first sickle cell crisis until she was five. So when I took her on that first trip, it was without ever having a prior crisis. So I was I was scared, but I wasn't like scared with the knowledge that this is what is going to happen. I didn't know what a crisis even looked like at that point right. when I took her. Um, so I just was like, well, I'm going to have her doctor's numbers so that you know, if <laughs> right. I need to get in contact with them and like we had our cell phones, but you know, I made sure that our plan would work um, when we were um, out in the water, but they actually, because they, all the cruises have like a camp for kids. Well, most mm-hmm. of them that I've been on have a right. camp for kids. And so we did allow our kids to go to the camp and they gave us a cell phone that definitely worked when we did that. <laughs> so I felt more comfortable and right. she, she did not get sick that first time at all. But I was, um, you know, I was still like very cautious, just watching her and nervous as a mom. But that first time I just made sure that um, we had a lot of fluids, you know, like if you're going on a cruise, you can buy, um, they give you water for free or you can buy a drink plan. That combo. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, it was just making sure that she ate healthy and that she was really hydrating. Hydration is so important with sickle cell disease mm-hmm. because one of the complications when a person has a crisis is that those sickled red blood cells are starting to get hard and sticky and stick together. And when you drink more fluids, it helps push those things along more 
more so. Now, it's not as simple as that, like, oh, just drink more water and you'll be okay. But at the very foundation of it, that's a minimal thing that you should do, just like all of us should drink water. (laughs) They need to drink more water than the average person. That's Wow, that's like really amazing. And I was just about to ask you what, um, how you would define a crisis. Um, and you said that, but is there some, is there a worse, or I guess like <laughs> trying to put it in perspective for it. So for instance, for us, you know, my son has autism. So we have like different scales of the meltdowns that he has, which is not the same by any means, but it definitely makes traveling a lot more complicated depending on how much he's melting down, you know? So, so yes. So there are different, um, pain levels, but pain, a pain crisis isn't the only complication to sickle cell. It is probably the one that most people know about because, oh my gosh, they're on pain medicine. Why do they have to Mm -hmm. take the pain medicine? Because they're, you know, in an immense amount of pain, but, um, children who have, Mm Children are at risk of stroke, even adults, but it right. is something that is a heightened risk factor for children. And so once a year, they have to get a transcranial Doppler, which is kind of like an ultrasound, but um, on your mm-hmm. brain. And mm-hmm. what they're doing is not scary or anything. It's just um, listening to the blood waves and measuring them to find out if there's something that's abnormal so that they can pre- prevent a stroke and... If it's something like, if there are times when the doctor wants to go further than just a right. TCD, they do an MRI and they do that to see maybe if there was a silent stroke that could have happened. So there, there are other complications because like with organ failure and all different types of things, because if your body isn't getting that oxygen it needs, mm-hmm. it can affect other parts of your body. So... Um, but at that, like when I was traveling and trying to keep her healthy and things like that, I didn't necessarily know. Um, I knew about the stroke, but I didn't, I wasn't necessarily worried about all those other risk factors because there are like levels to it. Um, at times for some people, you know, it's not, um, at least my understanding, it's not, you know, your kid, there may be some triggers that right. um, indicates something is happening. You know, it's not, I can't say that for everybody, they get a trigger and get a warning because unfortunately with sickle cell is different for every single body, the way that person's body reacts to it. For my daughter, she does get a trigger. So she'll say, hey, mommy, my, my back is hurting. And that's when I know to start acting fast. So I would, and acting fast for us is giving her lots of fluids, um, making sure that we have pain medicine close by if she needs it, maybe doing some distraction, um, like putting on a movie that she's engaged in, maybe having a heating pad to put on the area that's hurting, things like that. Maybe I'll massage it, making sure you know that she's not sick in any other way. And so that's what acting fast would be if I if she tells me I'm noticing these things. But also, you know, like I know for us, we like to go to tropical locations when we travel, mm-hmm. like a lot of people. And right. sometimes <laughs> be um, a bit of a a worry at times because mm-hmm. people with sickle cell have to avoid very hot weather and very cold weather. And so I know we went to, one year we went to California and that was 
it wasn't her first time flying. Her first time flying, we flew to um, one of our grandparents, uh, one of her grandparents' homes, and the flight was like I want to say an hour and a half. It wasn't a long flight. Maybe um, it, it probably wasn't even that long. I think we actually had a layover, so I think it was a little less than an hour the first way. Then we had a layover, and the rest of the way was thirty minutes. And for me, seeing how she did, um, she was pretty young. So I want to say um, she was actually two because, well, she was be- it was before she was two because when um, they didn't have, we didn't have to pay for their um, ticket just Sweet, yet. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I love traveling with two-year-olds. <laughs> right. And I was still nursing. So what uh, we did, yeah. we did, we went at a time where they would be sleepy. Like, so they were kind of tired. They kind of just slept the whole way. So it wasn't really a big issue. And then she took her next long flight. We went from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast to California. And that was a five and a half hour trip, which was much longer. And that's the one that I was actually nervous about. Um, but right. what we did, we, so now you can't take water on a plane and water. I've kind of indicated how important that is to us. So mm-hmm. what we did, we had um, water bottles with filters in them. And so we would take those um, empty through security and then we would fill them up once we're there. Now, if we don't have our bottles, of course, we just buy buy you know, a bottle right. of water once we're past the, um, past the security. security. But we right. do take those water bottles everywhere we go because even once we're at our destination, she constantly needs to be getting those fluids. It's not just, you know, during the time of flight. It's like all the time. And so we try to keep uh, a water bottle with us wherever we go. Um, and it's really good, like, to make sure that she doesn't feel you know, different or anything. All of right. us, all all four of her family members. So my daughter actually has a twin sister, um, mm-hmm. who doesn't. They're fraternal, so her twin sister doesn't have um, sickle cell disease. And so, you know, we're all trying to stay hydrated. Whatever she, you know, we do for her, it's really good for us to kind of keep in mind as well. And we try not to push her to her limit. Um, One trip we went to Mexico and um, like we did zip lining and stuff like that. (laughs) If you've ever been to zip lining in Mexico, it's really hot. And right. Yeah. Get totally. Dehydrated, and it's like all the things that we want to avoid. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And so um, that was the only time I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I made the right decision." Mm, but she actually yeah. did fine. We just had to rest. And what we did, we alternated. Like we went to a place that had like some water activities. It was different types of activities, mm-hmm. so that when she was tired. We didn't have to continue pushing it to the limit. Great. So. And that that totally makes sense. So um, I was just looking over my notes really quick. And um, not only does your daughter have sickle cell anemia, but she also has um, type 1 diabetes, uh, which can, uh, from personal experience of working with clients that have type 1, that can add a whole different layer because now you're talking about how she needs water and water um, is super important for type one or even traveling with places that are really hot. Like I have a, a client that they love Disney. <laughs> so I'm always like, okay, when we're visiting Florida, like let's live, avoid the summer at all costs because it's not yeah. good for your child, you know? Um, Cause if, when it gets hot, her blood sugar can get completely um, out of control. So I would love it if you could talk 
a little bit about type 1 and then how it interacts um, with your daughter's sickle cell anemia as well. Yes, yes. So um, when she was around six, we found out that she was also type 1 diabetic, which is an autoimmune disorder. So Mm -hmm. for people who may not be aware, there is type 1 diabetes and there's also type 2 diabetes. And so when you hear when you hear people say they take metformin or they um, need to exercise and um, you know they can control it by their habits, that is type 2 diabetes. So juvenile diabetes is a little bit different. The doctors aren't actually sure what has triggered that in their right. in the child's body because what what is happening and it could be an adult it doesn't have to be a child that's that's yeah, one of the exactly. myths about type 1 diabetes somebody can have it it's basically mm-hmm. where the the pancreas is no longer working properly and the body cannot produce the amount of insulin that it needs in order to um, help the body break down the sugars and so and sugar isn't just you know, dessert. <laughs> like some people are like, it's oh, so can true. you eat dessert? No. Right. Like, it's really, right. it's carbohydrates. So it's really any types of food that are carbs. And so mm-hmm. your carbs are, your fruits and vegetables have carbs. Yeah. You know? And bread. <laughs> yeah. So, so bread, bread is, um, you know, you have different types, like you have mm, refined right. carbs. So bread falls under the category of a refined carb. And so with if she eats bread or rice and things like that, those things really just turn into sugar in her body, and she has to take a larger amount of insulin in order right. to cover those. But for the most part, she can eat pretty, you know, for the most part, what she wants. She just has to take the right amount of insulin. And when I say the right amount of insulin, it varies mm-hmm. per person. Um, right. It's what her body needs in order to break down the food. And so the way doctors have tend to help parents figure it out is to count the person's carbs. So when we go, like we went to Legoland and, you know, when I go and we eat while we're out, we have to kind of look at the menu. There are some books or apps that we use to calculate. A lot of times the, if it's a restaurant, if I um, go online, I can find the nutrition facts and I can see how many carbs carbohydrates are in a certain amount of thing. But she's had it since she was six and she's 11 now. So for a lot of things, we've already memorized them, you know, for the most part. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when she was first diagnosed, I would take um, measuring, the measuring spoons. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not just spoons, but the containers. (laughs) Right. um, So that I could measure her food. So I would know exactly how much it is, how much, you know, um, because Sometimes like at home, we have a scale and she can weigh it like for pasta. Pasta also turns into sugar. Oh my gosh. In your no body. Joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it tastes really good, but. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I I suffer. I'm, I'm pre-diabetic. Um, and I, I feel like that's. Um, you know, something I have to do all the time, like I love pasta and rice, but like <laughs> I definitely have to be careful because I can push myself over into the diabetic range if I am not watching how much carbs I'm intaking, you know? Right. And I I know exactly what you're talking about because I I like those things. But what, so as a family, what we do Mm -hmm. to try to make it better, because once you eat those things, if you exercise afterwards, it really helps kind of kick, 
help that insulin to work faster. Right. Right. And so um, it's really about having a balanced, active lifestyle, eating healthy and, you know, doing multiple things to mm-hmm. keep your body on track. And so we try to do it as a family. You know, we have times where it's easier than at other times, but um, it's just kind of, you know, to exercise after you eat. Like, I feel like the old, my grandparents and parents and things like that, they would take a walk after they ate. It just right. was something that they did. Well, there was a method to that. Like, there was Absolutely. a reason why they yeah. did that. <laughs> to help you digest the food, but also to, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it is a, di- like, is that the right word, diuretic? It's to help you digest your food. But yeah, yeah. I think a lot of other countries um, are actively engage in that. I know, like, my, father is from Turkey. Um, so we, we, every time we would have a meal, he'd be like, okay, dinner's over and now let's go for a walk. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go again. But I know it's good for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, that stuff that you looked at and kind of was like, right. Your eyes at. As a kid, as an adult, it's like, oh, that's why we did that. It's like your aha mm-hmm. moment and things like right. that. So, so, we, so true. we try to like go in the backyard and play a game, maybe frisbee right. or something. We try to make it fun because it's something that is important for us as a whole. As a whole, um, but that's one of the things. And when we travel, mm-hmm. um, you know, we do keep that in mind. Like we'll often look at the amenities. Is it a place to walk? Is it right? Um, um, like a gym? Because kids can't go in the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I know I would have to be like adult. 16 and up but <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so me as an adult and my husband as an adult we get to mm-hmm. go um but generally we look for you know spots where we can exercise with the kids um as right. well right um, or maybe like what the kids clubs like what kinds of activities right. they have right which right. totally makes sense so exactly. speaking about travel um my my next question is, do you – I know we talked a little bit about going to the airport with your daughter for um, sickle cell, but do you find um, it's difficult to travel with her um, with the addition of type 1? And does she also have a pump that you have to be concerned about while going? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what we did, we sometimes – Sometimes we kind of called ahead to find out like if we needed to take a little card or something. Um, But generally, when I'm with her, we just tell the TSA she has an insulin pump because she's not supposed to go through that full body rotating metal detector Mm -hmm. because at least the doctors and the paperwork for the pump, it says that Mm -hmm. it can cause the pump to malfunction. And those pumps are like thousands and thousands of dollars. They're not. You do not want it to malfunction. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) So what they do, they generally let us just walk in. And as a parent, um, one of her parents has to stay with her and they use Mm -hmm. a wand to do the metal you know, to make sure we're safe and can mm-hmm. go through and all that instead of doing the other. Um, so they usually have some airports have two types. So mm-hmm. if it's the other type where you don't not the rotating full body scan, then, oh, but just the metal detector, right? Just the metal detector. We have gone through those. Sometimes they have those at like museums, too. I'm actually right. in the D.C. area and um, like we try, we try to get them to use the wand in those places too, because um, you just kind of have to be extra careful. Um, because she also has a continuous glucose monitor that right. attaches with the pump, so that's to make sure that her blood sugar levels stay 
in a um, safe range. A safe yeah. range. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Totally. So I have experienced that with some clients <laughs> for sure that like, I, I'm so worried about going with the glucose monitor in particular about how um, some of them are wireless. Um, well, a lot of them are wireless. What am I talking about? So sometimes that can be a little bit of an issue when going through. Yeah, um, metal detectors. So you have, mm-hmm. so we have to disclose, we have to say she's diabetic. She right. has these devices because they will set off those alarms. Because they're Bluetooth, at least the ones that I know about, they're Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. So right. it's like, well, what kind of device is that like <laughs> going to show up on their system? But we right. go ahead and disclose. So that takes, that can cause, um, we need to get there early. So like, you know how mm-hmm. you're running late or something like right. that. This this isn't the time to right. run late. Like we no. have to prepare to go a little bit early so mm-hmm. that we don't miss um you know, flights, because sometimes, you know, the airport isn't so accommodating. Sometimes people act like, what are you talking about? Usually they know because I've had people say, oh, wow, I've had like 10 people come through in the last hour that were type one diabetic. So I'm like, really? (laughs) That's a lot. But um, sometimes, sometimes they're very familiar with it. And then at other times they're like, what do you mean she has a device in her? Because right. she's a kid. So right. um, it just kind of depends. Um, I will say that when going to the airport is also just mm-hmm. kind of, an, you know, you it kind of heightens your anxiety because yes. you, have, you have to get there early. It's just mm-hmm. for us, I've just realized that in order to feel better about it, we have to prepare beforehand. So right. we do pack a little bag with um, snacks because- one of the fears with type 1 diabetes is you don't want to go too low because that's when people can have a diabetic coma. You right. know, like if you go too high, that's a, a problem too. But, right. you know, those lows can really be fatal. And um, so it's just making sure that she may have a snack if she goes too low. And so we keep the, you know, we do the prepackaged snacks so that they're not like, oh, you can't take that on the plane. Um, <laughs> right. So... So it's it's not too hard. I can't say that I've ever, you know, avoided going on a trip because of it. It's just mm-hmm. that we've learned that we have to prepare, take her bag. We like her to keep um, extra supplies in her carry on. Like we don't we don't put those under the plane or over wherever we, right. we keep them with us because right. your baggage can be lost, and mm-hmm. these are life sustaining. Um, medicines and equipment. So you can't afford to not have an eye on them at all times. And they're very expensive. So like a thing of insulin could be like out of pocket, it could be like $300. So it's important to, and for me as a parent, it's important for me to relate to her, hey, these things save your life. So you want to keep them with you. It's just like if you're going on an excursion, you may want to have like a really small, like little fanny pack. You may you you don't want to take everything, but you want to <laughs> no, take but... her. You want to take um the finger pricker, even though you mm-hmm. may have a continuous glucose monitor, because when you're away, you never know what might malfunction because you are right. dealing with technology. So it's mm-hmm. just having the foresight and planning. So those are some of the things that we do as well. I love that. Um, and it, it, like you were saying with the monitor too, like you never know how quickly her blood sugar could drop 
or, you know, go up just based on being outside in the heat or yes, yes. <laughs> being and outside in the cold too, you know? Yeah. Because the heat affects you, you explained it well earlier. It affects mm -hmm. um, diabetics as well as um, people with sickle cell. And so she right. has to be extra careful with that. Mm -hmm. And it's just something where another thing that we keep in her bag is like a little blanket because with mm -hmm. sickle cell, you can get when your body isn't flowing properly and you may have anemia, you can get cold really easy. Yes. And like all planes are kind of cool. Are so cold. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know. Yeah. Yes, so I what know. we yeah. do, we make sure she has layers. So we have mm -hmm. her put on like an undershirt, like like our grandmother, our yeah. <laughs> grandparents used to dress her. <laughs> right. When we were little. I'm like, yeah, you have to put on your undershirt. Then you have yeah. to put on a shirt, then a little sweater. So I really have turned into my mother. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unintentionally, but for the right reasons, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so Elle, my next question for you is, um, do you find that you need any special accommodations when you're traveling? Such as, um, I know, for example, with type one, um, one of my most requested items always is to have a fridge, uh, in the room for insulin storage, which unfortunately I have learned through this process that it's not a requirement for the hotel to provide it. Um, but I mean, it, it can't be an unburdened requirement for the hotel to provide it. So um, they can give you a fridge, but sometimes they might charge a small free fee. Um, but I was just wondering if you find that you need special things like fridges while you're traveling at the accommodations that you're staying at. So I typically, um, I have always typically tried to make sure that we had a fridge. Um, and when we've got, the only times so for all hotels, I've never had a problem with it. Um, I think I just, the places that I book just often have a refrigerator in the room always. But when we have gone on the cruise, we've gone on a couple cruises, um, we have to get them to bring a... Um, like I can't, I can't remember. Is it a medical fridge? Yeah. Okay. Like that's where I've had an issue more mm -hmm. so with the cruise than, um, and that's just really for the longer ones. Cause if she has mm -hmm. insulin that's open, right. um, it doesn't have to be like, if she's already used some of that insulin, she doesn't uh, have to keep it in the fridge, but mm -hmm. you know, you always want to take extra. Cause I kind of mentioned that earlier. Like you never know, yeah. like, you can lose it. They're kids. Like right. nothing could happen. Your room could, you know, you never know. Cause people, um, especially like if you have house cleaners and stuff like that, you never know, mm -hmm. like you, no one wants something to happen to the insulin, but of it is. So we always, um, take extra. And so that's, that's on a cruise has been the only time where I felt like, um, we had trouble with those accommodations, mm. but I feel like, you know, just in hindsight that they always made some sort of provision for us. Right. And I've always found it comforting to see other people with like their um, insulin pump or their um, CGM, which is the continuous glucose monitor. Mm -hmm. And like, they'll see her and then they'll smile and they'll look Aww. and then it'll strike <laughs> a conversation. And um, it just, you know, sometimes they find encouragement seeing other people and sometimes she finds encouragement. You just never know. And I know the last time we went on a cruise, it was a guy who 
I guess he was like he was traveling because he had just been diagnosed and he was Mm -hmm. telling me, you know, he he didn't know he was going to make it. So this is him treating himself and he's celebrating life. And um, he was he he was like, yeah, I've only had my CGM for 10 days, you know. And so (laughs) it was just this amazing experience. And so um, I I find I find that it can become a conversation piece that can be something that encourages other people. And so, um, yeah, I I think my daughter, she doesn't it's not really a big deal to her just because of Mm -hmm. the age she's at, but she doesn't like people that she doesn't know to see her having to prick herself or give. So she'll, Mm -hmm. you know, she'll try to be discreet or go in the bathroom or things like that because she Mm -hmm. doesn't want people to see. Yeah. Which I, I can understand that. That's so it's, it can be private because, or, you know, sometimes people overly stare at things like that. So I, I can totally understand why she would um, feel that way. So speaking about that, um, what is something that has held you back from traveling with your daughter when you got both diagnoses? Wow. So I would say initially it was that fear of, oh my gosh. So um, like being in a plane, because I've heard stories about people with sickle cell who were in a plane and that, that, you know, were were on a long flight and they had complications. So what I try to do, I try not to you know, that five hour flight, we were really pushing it, but I like the fact that it's like the red eye. So she's sleeping or, you know, something that is um, just not like all day type of thing. But I try, mm-hmm. we're like the type of people who look for, for layovers, which is unusual. <laughs> right? Like if it's a far, if it's a long trip, like if it's right. something that's supposed to be short, no, we want it to be short. But um, for the longer flights, it's better to break them up so that she isn't in the plane for mm-hmm. an extended period of time. Right. Which totally makes sense. <laughs> um, so my next question is, uh, what would be two things that would make you feel more confident in traveling with your child to a domestic or international destination? So I want to do more international trips. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, so here's the thing, like one, one a part of me is like going um, like to other countries mm-hmm. is not as scary because insulin, like if something were to happen to her insulin, it's usually cheaper in other countries. It's just right. really expensive in the U.S. But right. um, you never want to be in that position where you have to figure it out. And then I'm, I like to travel in groups. So we don't, um, we have gone on trips where it's just um, our immediate family, but mm-hmm. I'd rather travel with um, more of my family members because if like I mentioned that she has a twin sister. If right. my daughter isn't feeling well because maybe I plan, you know, over plan, because that happens. Like you're, we're still learning as we go. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. she does get tired and she's like, I just want to stay in the room, you know? And if you planned an excursion or an adventure or something like that, you don't want the whole family to have to stay. You want to, mm-hmm. you know, you definitely want her to have fun. And um, so that's what I try to do. I try to go at a time when, my other family members are willing to come with me. And that has really helped me be less afraid because it's like, right. it's not just on me. And not that my my family really understands all of it. They mm-hmm. they don't, but I mean, you know, they listen and they're, yeah. they're helpful. They're <laughs> yes. more of a support 
um, you know, just emotional support mm-hmm. than physical support. But I totally um, get that. <laughs> and then, you know, just to make it just a better like experience as a whole. Because when you go with your cousins or just mm-hmm. other people, it just is more fun. So that is what we've tried to do instead of just doing um, solo trips. Right. That's just us. Because it's hard where it's not. Okay. So when I tried to do that and when they were younger, I used to do that where it would just be me and my husband and we would go places because I was like, oh, I can be superwoman. But what right. ended up happening is it wasn't a vacation for me. And when I would get home, I was tired and cranky because I didn't really have a vacation. And early on, I used to just be like, oh, well, we'll get a place and I'll cook the food because I was afraid to eat at restaurants and stuff like that. This was before I realized you can just you just count the cars, look up, you know, (laughs) but I had to learn that and I had to find, you know, a comfort level. Like, is this food healthy enough? I had a lot of anxieties. And so Mm -hmm. as she's gotten older, I've realized you can do something. Okay. So let me clarify this. It wasn't (laughs) all me who just reduced my fears. Someone with sickle cell, I have some friends online who I've met in person and they said, never make your child feel like Mm -hmm. she can't do something because of her illnesses. And that's that's what I've tried to do because, you know, as a parent, because you feel like you can understand life, mm-hmm. um, you know, we feel like we're wise or something. The truth right. is we really don't know. And so yeah. I'm trying not to restrict her. So I'm trying to kind of loosen up and say, okay, well, we can't do it this way. So what are some other ways that will make it more feasible? I've tried to kind of broaden my perspective and um, look at things in other ways. Like when we went zip, line, zip lining, I mm. knew that it would be hot and it would be long. In that particular instance, I went, um, my husband and I went ourselves first so that we could see how it is, if it was something that we could bring our girls to do. And then right. we brought them that second time. So sometimes it's trying something out before you're like out there with your kids trying to figure it out or, <laughs> you know, getting um, recommendation from other friends. Like, they wanted to go to Florida um, for like Disney World and things like mm-hmm. that. And I was I was scared because I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, it's just so hot. <laughs> That's all You're I right. Think of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's literally all I could think of. So we right. have been to Florida and we've done other things there, but I haven't necessarily I have not done the parks with her there yet. We did do Legoland in California, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, you know, I don't I have been to Disney World, but I went as a teen. I haven't been recently. Right. Um, and so when we were at Legoland, it was it's not as big as Disney World. So right. it wasn't By a any problem. Means. It right. wasn't a problem. But we did get a disability pass <laughs> because standing in those lines, that's really the um the hard part. Right. Because, you know, you can't necessarily have your, you know, you take your water bottle with you, but then you have to put it you know, in one of the cubbies and things like that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I just found that those lines were really hard. Now I got the disability pass for her, but she didn't want to use it. She was Uh. like, we're not not different. This isn't right. And I feel like that was partly my husband who didn't want to be different. He would just like stand in line. And I was like, She's not going to be able to do as many things if we do that, mm-hmm. because with frequent um, drinking a whole lot, you also she has have to go to the bathroom to- a lot. Right. 
Right. Yeah. So we didn't get to take full advantage of everything. Ah, so, but we're we're learning. You know, I can't right. say. You know, I'm here to share my experience. So other people like look. Maybe you talk to them about that disability path. <laughs> right. Prepare them for it. I felt like I thought it just would have been like, oh yeah, this is awesome that we'll get to do. It wasn't that way. They felt like, well, you know, because they don't. There isn't a um, a visual visible, disability. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yep. the, you know, and other people are looking like, why do they have that? And there right. have been times in our life where I've educated people. I don't feel like I should have to do that. Right. Um, I do it when I feel like this is an opportunity to teach somebody, to help somebody. But if I'm like exhausted, I'm like, they'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> um, will. But, yeah. And I, I will say I've had to do that in domestically as well, like going to the mm. museums. Um, sometimes like if there's like a Christmas presentation, like especially like we've gone to the botanical gardens around Christmas time mm-hmm. and it's always so cold because it's like in November. Oh, and yeah. That has been kind of some of the toughest time. It wasn't even our trips abroad because I feel like other people, they're just, at least in our experience, they've been much more accommodating. It was here in mm. the U.S. where people were like, well, I don't understand why she can't stand in line. And because I would have her stay in the building and, right. and, you know, one of, one of us, one of the parents would stay, stay in line. And when they were little, my husband would stay in line and I would stand in the building with them. And then when it was time to get back in line, once he was on the inside, people would be like, I don't understand that. And I would have to like explain it to the workers. And I feel <sighs> like that, I shouldn't have to do that, no, but that's I where agree. I've had um, more of a difficulty. I haven't so much um, abroad because I feel like when you tell people, they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's plausible. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. But here in the U.S., it's like, well, you look fine. I, I just like, but I'm not fine. Like, no, I totally 100% get that because I know that if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know, my son has high functioning autism. And I think that's the one of the biggest problems we have is like he has a cognitive disability not a visible disability so when they when I say the same thing he can't wait in line it's not because of um it's not because of like privilege right it's not yeah it's just like he literally like unless you want him to like melt down and like start throwing a fit and acting like a three-year-old because that's where his emotional intelligence is at right now like then please by all means let's have this happen but that's what the pass is there for is to be able to support people with cognitive disabilities or other non-visible disabilities or, you know, visible disabilities too. But it's not like, it gets me so fired up. It's like, it's not that we're trying to skip the line or be better than anybody else. It's just simply because it better supports the person with the disability so that they can enjoy the attraction too. That's really, you know, and all really, it is at the end of the day. If we didn't have to, we wouldn't. Like it's right, really exactly. out of necessity, not mm-hmm. out of entitlement or right. anything like that. And I feel like um, just having to explain that to people, I, I feel like I'm so much more emotionally um, calm, more calm right. about it now. But right. when it first happened, I was angry. And yeah. um, that isn't necessarily an emotion that I try to show when I'm out in public. And that took me by uh, by surprise. And so I've had to kind of 
re, you know, kind of think about different scenarios mm-hmm. while I'm at home. Like, what will you do? Because you don't want to, you know, go from zero to 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's not a good look. So. No, not at all. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I try to think of things uh, beforehand. Sometimes, right. sometimes, you know, I, you know, sometimes overthinking stuff, you take too much stuff with you, but for the most part, we've been okay. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I did want to piggyback on what you said though, about taking your family members with you. And I feel like, especially with someone, um, with some sort of disability or, um, chronic illness or disease or anything like that, like these multi-generational trips make it a better vacation in general for the family. Because yes, um, you know, you can be a superwoman and go on vacation. Like I'm guilty of that. Like I go with my husband and my two boys and we go on trips. But at the end of the day, like you said, you're not really having a vacation because you're being super mom instead of having a little moment of time. Like I'm just going to sit in this (laughs) beach chair and drink a pina colada. And like, that's going to be, you know, relaxing for me, but um, it's not. And that's something I personally have been thinking because my brother um, is also in the air force and he is coming back to the mainland finally. And I was like, I'm going to start planning trips with him and his and my sister-in-law because they don't have any kids. So it'd be like four adults to watch the two little boys and make yes. like vacation easier. And like, we're actually going on vacation instead of like, I need a vacation for my vacation, you know? Yes. Um, I was about to say that. And and that's how yeah. I felt. I was like, I just need some some personal time. Yes. After and and the vacations were exhausting to me early right. on when when I when I did that and I was just super woman and it was just the four of us. And I was like, I can't. and that was me coming back home. Like, how can I rethink this? How can I make this mm-hmm. work so that I enjoy it? Because what was happening right. was I wasn't even enjoying myself. And mm-hmm. so um, we've definitely like as your kids grow in some ways they become, you know, you've gotten used to it. And so right. some things aren't as difficult as early on when you leave, but uh, are going vacation. So but it's just so much better when other people are with you to share the experience, you know, mm-hmm. and, exactly. and that's how I look at it. I look at it as sharing the experience because yeah. often my family members, they don't live in the same city. And so mm-hmm. they don't get to see my kids a whole lot. And right. by going on a vacation together, we get to experience each other and get to know each other and have these memories together that we wouldn't other otherwise have. So it's actually a joy to go together. Huh, I love that. It's like, <laughs> this has been really great. So I'm like, I really appreciate that. And like, inspiring other families that are hopefully listening or other travel agents that are listening to, you know, get um, your clients out there that are traveling as a group or a multi-generational. It doesn't have to be a group, but, you know, more adults to <laughs> help uh, make the vacation process great for everybody, you know? Yes. Yeah. So that the yeah. parents can have, have a vacation too. Because, you know, like mm-hmm. if you're with your spouse, you need to have a few moments of, you know, time. And right. I also want to encourage people, like if you do a cruise like that, um, mm-hmm. You may not want to send your kid to camp every day, or, right? You know, but you can at least once or twice, you know, and right. to give yourself a vacation. Exactly, and I think that's like one of the the best thing about cruises and um, resorts is the kids clubs, um, and especially if you're looking for somebody uh, um, a travel supplier that's taking care of someone with special needs uh, that they have that training. 
under their belt, but just to be able to be like, I can leave my autistic son at the kids club for a couple hours and feel like an adult, you know, for a little while before taking back the responsibility of taking care of him, you know? Right. And sometimes they do have specialists. Right. Right. Like beaches, I know. And I I believe Royal Caribbean also has, uh, uh, they're, they have autism at seas and pre- I'm 99% sure that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe sometimes doing things like maybe when, when the child is um, asleep or take a nap mm-hmm. or something like that, like you have to be creative in your thoughts. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so um, that's kind of what we've tried to do when we were on a trip, like, oh, well, you know, because they do have sometimes like night nannies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where if the kid is already asleep, the person isn't really doing anything. Watching, right, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, but as a parent, you may feel safer. I don't know. You know, like, so it just mm-hmm. all depends. And I have friends who have, like, taken a nanny with them or taken oh, a yeah. grandparent with them or something like right. that. And so I just think that if you are going to do a vacation, it's important to factor at least one one day, like if at the bare minimum, one day mm-hmm. where you have some time. And that's what I try to do because I think self-care is important, recuperating, right. because you want to, you know, until the next vacation, you want to be whole, you want to be, um, you know, rested. So at least, you know, make some, you know, memories with your spouse or do mm-hmm. something fun just so that you'll have that in your repertoire and your memory bank as well. Right. That totally makes sense. So to piggyback on this, well, kind of. (laughs) Now that we've talked about traveling with sickle cell and we've talked about traveling with type one, what are some things that travel suppliers could do to make you more likely to book a trip? So I like when um, they already like suggest um, activities. So I Mm -hmm. like a whole itinerary plan, like say, um, you know, this is what the options are and I can pick and choose. And it also has like um, travel. Like I, I like to be picked up at the airport and driven mm-hmm. to my hotel. Like Absolutely. I don't want to <laughs> have to have a, um, get a rental car and have, mm-hmm. to, you know, in some places it's okay. Like depending on how long we've stayed, like I right. we went, well, I went to Hawaii um, and I had a rental car and I thought it was great. So I think, you know, it just kind of depends. Um, But for the most part, when we have kids, we try to um, have like travel accommodations already set. Like you don't want to have to figure that out, you know, (laughs) with your kids while you're there. So I like for all of that to be done up front. And when we travel um, as a group, I like Mm -hmm. to have a van and stuff that picks us up and takes us where we need to go. And and all we have to worry about are like tips and stuff. I like to factor all of that into my, um, into the, the cost. And then I like to tip later and I can give a higher tip if I'm not just thinking, you know, itemizing everything. So if I already prepay for everything and then I can just bless people. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So that's that's how I look at it. Um, ah, I love I that. Think, I think also just um, I like having a tour guide. Mm-hmm. I I like um, so we've I've done some trips where like there was a local person who's telling us right. something that's um, non-conventional and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. great. 
Um, mm-hmm. I haven't always done that with just my kids. Um, right. So I'm open to that. But, you know, it kind of depends. It's like the less I have to do while I'm there, the better, because I truly Ooh, I love want that. it to be a vacation. So Absolutely. if we do all of the, you know, just kind of share with me what it is it what is it that would make this a dream vacation? Let mm-hmm. me know up front. And then if something is too much or not enough, I can have that say beforehand. Because when right. I get there, I don't want to have any worries. Of course, you know, every trip is going, you know, something always comes up. Like Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's so much better if, you know, it's just something, you know, if everything isn't, you know, you're trying to piecemeal everything. If right. most things are in place and then you just have, you know, a couple things that you may have to work out. I'd rather that than have to worry about a lot of things. So that's kind of um, what comes to mind. Um, I love it. It sounds like you prefer working with a travel agent than rather <laughs> booking it, it on your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I feel yes. like that's something that's happening in this uh, post-COVID-19 world is that more travelers are finding the um, benefit of working with a travel agent and like it's like pretend that we were working together you know like I I know that your daughter has xyz needs um and then you know we can accommodate you based on those needs and then like what kind of guided tours would also make sure that she is not getting overheated or that she has time for breaks or having those transportation options so it's like uh you know that's what it sounds like (laughs) Yeah, and saying, so, yeah, we say that up front, and it's usually a better experience. At least right. I have, yeah, um, so far, I haven't had any issues. Which is We've amazing. worked with a travel agent before, and I had mm-hmm. a positive experience. So, yeah. And I, I'm so glad that you said that because I feel like personally, I've had some clients that I've worked with that do have special needs and they, they didn't disclose that information until they were on vacation. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like if you had told me <laughs> in advance, like I could better, you know, I, I don't want anybody to go out into the world and not let me know that they have, you know, some something that needs to be accommodated while they're on vacation, you know? So I'm so glad that you said that. Because I I actually, like, I'm comfortable talking about it. Right. Um, So I think that makes it easier for me. I don't think Mm -hmm. my husband is as comfortable because he's like, why you got to tell everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Like, because our daughter needs to be considered. That's right. Right. But but it's okay. I know. Yeah. I think people, like, what you just explained. You'll mm-hmm. be better able to um, suggest things and come right. up with things. And so I feel like it It also is an education education mm-hmm. um, moment mm-hmm. where it may help another traveler, you know? Yeah. So I just, you know, I like working with travel agents because it takes some of the stress off of me because I have mm-hmm. other stuff to, to worry about. Worry about. about. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I totally. Yes. 100%. And then, you know, that's something too, like especially with the type one that I keep saying over and over again, like I wouldn't want to ever have a client not tell me that they have type one or their child has type one and they want to go to Hawaii, for instance. Hawaii is gorgeous all year round, but it can definitely be hot there sometimes, you know? It's just like, okay, but if you're going in the summertime, like let's rethink this or make sure that we think about our itinerary and how hard you're going to (laughs) <laughs> like I would not like you to go hike Diamond Head. <laughs> you oh, know, <yes>. like <laughs> exactly. That would be horrible. <laughs> I would feel so bad. But you know, like 
yeah, let's go to the Manoa, excuse me, the Mauna Loa Falls instead, where it's a lot cooler and shaded and um, medical services are more readily available there than as opposed <laughs> at the top of Diamond Head, you know? Right. And I think um, we also get travel insurance. Um, ah, so important. I'm so, so glad you brought that up. <laughs> like everywhere we go, I just pay mm-hmm. extra for the different insurances because right. you never know. And even though nothing has happened, um, mm-hmm. to us, you know, knock on wood. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but, um, I just find more assurance and I do. So I will say something we had, um, we did have a travel insurance where I had gone to California first mm-hmm. and then my husband brought our girls, um, afterwards, like three days later. And they actually missed because, well, <laughs> husbands, but anyway, yeah. they, they missed their flight and right. I had gotten travel insurance. So they were able to book a, another flight um, at a different airport so that mm-hmm. they would still arrive at the same time, which they would not have been able to do if they didn't have that travel insurance. Right. Uh, which that's such a great example of like why, <laughs> why it's important on top of medical reasons and other things like that, you know? Yeah, because you have to, like, you know how they tell you, uh, what is it, 90 minutes before, I don't Mm -hmm. know, like, post-COVID what it is, but (laughs) but they would say, like, 90 minutes before. Like, you need to be there 90 minutes before, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes, you know, just being a young person, we try to push it, like, oh, I can get there. But when you have a child or, you know, if you are that adult who has special challenges, you should mm-hmm. get there early just yeah. so that you aren't stressed. Because if you're like trying to run through things, it just makes, it's too much. It's too it much. Is. And you will start, you will have um, anxiety and mm-hmm. it's just a strain. It's a strain it on you mentally, emotionally. And that's no way to travel because mm-hmm. there's so many other things to be concerned about. And just getting there and, you know, making your work isn't one of them. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Sorry, my oldest son's like, mom, mom, I need to eat something. But my husband's like in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good. I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. So let's dive right into the quick fire questions. And my first question for you is, what has been your favorite destination to visit thus far? Hawaii. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's like my favorite place in the whole world. We were stationed there for three years and I'm just like, can we please go back yesterday? <laughs> yeah, it's expensive, but it's beautiful. Oh, <laughs> it's absolutely. so Which, calm. It is. It, have you only been to Oahu or have you been to other islands as I've well? I've only been who, oh, to Oahu. Totally. Well, if you get a chance, make sure <laughs> that you you go to the other ones. Oahu is gorgeous in its own right, 100 thousand percent but the other islands all have something like that they definitely have to offer it's kind of different per island you know but i'm so glad you said that i love hawaii it's like my favorite place in the whole wide world yes yes. (laughs) um so what has been your um sorry what has been your least favorite destination that you visited Okay, so I'm like an optimist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, can I, tell. I know this is supposed to be quick, quick questions, right. quick fire, right? But yeah. okay, so Mexico wasn't as pretty as I thought it would be. Mm, okay. <laughs> so, you know, like we always think places outside of America are just going to be these beautiful, lush looking places, and yeah. they are on the resort. Ah. The resorts are, but off the resorts, it didn't it didn't look good like I, see. I was so sad 
by the way this the country looked off the resorts. Mm, okay, I can sense. totally no that that uh, totally makes sense. I can I can understand what you're saying. Um, so, what is one tip that you would give someone traveling with sickle cell anemia slash type one <laughs> diabetes? Take a personal bag and make sure you have some some of the items that you know you'll need, and never check mm-hmm. any medicine. Never <sighs> ever ever. <laughs> right. Because you never know when you're going to need it or if there is an emergency on the plane, for instance. Or your bags get lost, like you said. <laughs> right. So many uh, variables. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I could go on and on all day. <laughs> um, so what has been one challenge for you to get out and see the world with your family? Wow. It's um, making time. Making time right. to do it. To just go. I think sometimes we think about so many things. We're mm-hmm. always thinking about what if I can do this. Just do it. Right. Yeah, you're so right. We're so busy like in our everyday lives in general that I feel like we oftentimes forget about <laughs> reconnecting and bonding as a family and that how vacationing period, even, it doesn't matter where you go, just getting away from your home and your city um, can really have a great effect on your family dynamic, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, so where in the world have you been that's been the most accommodating for your family's needs? So the two places, uh, one, I'll say one domestic and one um, overseas. So mm-hmm. the Bahamas was beautiful and they were very mm. accommodating, just the loving people. Right. And um, in the U.S., uh, California, we just had a wonderful time. Mm. And um, like my daughter, I was like, where would you want to go? She was like, an ice cream shop in California. I'm like, out of all <laughs> the places in the whole world, that's where you want to go. <laughs> so, but we just, we we felt so, so comfortable. And I think um, that's what vacationing is about, being able to relax and feel comfortable. Right. I totally agree. (laughs) So thank you so much. I've come to the end of the interview. So I appreciate you so much, Elle, for coming on. I'm going to give you some space here to plug yourself. And if anybody has any questions about sickle cell and especially type one um, to reach out to you. So I'm going to let you take it away. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. So people can find me at my blogging site, which is cleverlychanging.com. And I'm on Instagram at cleverlychanging. I'm on YouTube at cleverlychanging. I'm also on Facebook at cleverlychanging. So definitely check me out there. I'm on Twitter. That's the only handle that's a little different. It doesn't have the G on the end. So it's cleverlychanging. And I would love for you to connect. I have a podcast as well. It's a podcast about homeschooling and are supplementing your child's education. And we try to be real and talk about why we need to help our children build confidence and in who they are. So definitely check out the Cleverly Changing Podcast where you can um, just find me everywhere podcasts are played. But I would love for you to reach out. If you have questions, you can send me an email at cleverlychanging at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I will definitely leave all this information in the show notes so that you're able to get it. Um, and you'll be able to find it on my website, www.lilyandmagnoliatravel.com. Thank you so much, Elle, for listening. Or <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Elle, for being on the podcast today. And thank you all for listening so much. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Special Needs Travel Podcast, a Lily and Magnolia Travel production. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a review. Travel is for everyone, no matter their ability. If you have any questions or you want to continue the conversation, I'm available on email at dina at lillianmagnoliatravel.com or you can reach my sponsor, www.travmarketmedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And as always, I will see you real soon.